0: Thank you. Welcome into Violence and Its Three Droogs, hosted by Brendan, Christian, and Cheyenne. Today, we are going to be talking about one of the greatest violent films of all time.
1: Yeah, we're going to be talking about uh, Stanley Kubrick's A Clockwork Orange. Um, So, we're going to be looking at violence specifically, but um, we're going to look at control, as a form of violence in the film and um, how the film itself was banned. And so we're gonna look at censorship as a form of violence. Then we're also gonna look at how violence was represented within the film. So we're gonna look at like the sexual violence, more specifically with rape scenes, mental uh, violence via like narration and then like the, the Ludico experiment. And then we're gonna look at men as perpetrators of violence in the film. And then we're going to kind of discuss if reform in this dystopian setting and if there's like wiggle, if there's room for reform, essentially, does violence just thrive on? And then I guess we're going to kind of look at in debate is um, the representation of violence, a celebration or a cautionary tale. So where do we want to start?
0: I think naturally, starting with control makes the most sense. Um, I think that is the overarching theme of the film throughout all of its violence, throughout you know the themes of reform. Control is really where a clockwork orange, in my opinion, begins, and ends.
1: Yeah, I agree with that. I think the fact that it's banned um, for so long and then it's eventually released again. Uh, is obviously censorship. And I think censorship in and of itself is a form of violence. So you're you're telling somebody they're not able to release their art, which is to me, violent. It's mentally violent. Oh yeah, yeah, um, I agree. And it's
2: funny because I can say with that, uh, actually back into the film, uh, when it does come to violence, I just happened to think about, uh, for example, when he did go through the whole testing, uh, pretty much where he was able to uh, get out of the prison where he was at uh, where they were torturing him one thing i just thought about uh, when it comes to control is that they're telling him you know oh you're not ready yet yeah. you're, you're still having to rehabilitate yourself because we don't see you you know as fit for society yeah and i just happened to you know made me think about that is a form of violence because who are you to tell somebody you know granted He's done a lot of stuff throughout the film, yeah. but who are you to tell somebody when they're ready to do, you know, this or ready to be amongst other people? That is a form of violence because you're having them almost do, you know, mental run Yeah. if that makes sense.
1: absolutely. So, I mean, we definitely talked about how um, the authoritative figures in the film exude control uh, and they that in and of itself is a form of violence. Like, especially, I think the biggest scene in particular is the the Mr. Deltoid scene with him and Alex, where he goes to his house and he, like, puts his hand on his groin. Um, and then, like, later on when they're interrogating Alex, they spit on him. Like, that's another form of violence. And then, like, the army men, again, another form of violence. like anybody in a position of power uh exudes that violence
0: and and that's what's so interesting to me because with alex's character when we see the film begin if you don't have any prior knowledge of the book or you have no prior knowledge of the film whatsoever and you're just going to it blind basically like i did yeah um you don't yeah. really expect for alex to be this teenager that's living with his parents that has these authority, authority figures in his life controlling him because we see Alex leading his droops, mm-hmm. you know, literally starting the film in the club, committing the violence, the rape scene, the um, beating the homeless guy. Um, that, that was the Alex that we were introduced to, which was powerful. He was leading this gang. He was aggressive. He was confident. When we see him at home, that's, that script is honestly flipped for me. We see him vulnerable. We see him in his underwear. And as, the, as the film progresses, we see, although Alex is awful, Alex commits very horrible crimes throughout the film, he uses his control and his power in a very negative way. Mm-hmm. It's interesting that as the film goes on, he loses control, he loses power, and we see this terrible, bad person when he had power, mm-hmm. be victimized and become a victim to power of the people that are supposed to be good. Because we see in, in in later in the film, his droogs end up becoming police officers and mm-hmm. violence towards him. So in a way, it almost speaks to power and control being the true evil rather than the people because in this dystopian future, in this dystopian universe, it seems as if the culture of violence and the culture of evil has been, so, has been perpetrated for so long and it's been built up to a point where almost everyone in that system of power, when they are granted power, ends up on that path of evil, on that path of, of abusing power and using it through violence and yeah. just, just, just being terrible.
1: I agree with you, yeah, it's like at what point does Alex really stand a chance against going against violence because it's like as you're saying like the society kind of enforces that like we see that like no one's there's no upheaval they just perpetuate it so like again with mr deltoid he's a great example like his intent is not for reform it's just for essentially he's using alex to to push his violence on him and then that just is like a chain of command it just continues on so it's like is alex really a bad guy and a perpetrator of violence or is he just Part of he's a he's a product of this society,
2: and and to add on to that, yeah, being the product of you know society, I look at it too, and it just popped in my head of uh, the lack of control that someone causes violence as well. Yeah, because you got to think about his parents, right? Yeah, he's living at like you said. We're we're thinking that you know he's some grown man running around doing all of this stuff, but he comes back to a home where there's people that are over him. But with that being said, though when he is in the home, you see his parents there, uh, for example, he wakes up, oh, I'm not feeling well, I'm just gonna, you know, stay in the house. Yeah. Oh, okay, that's fine, yeah. nothing's wrong with that. But, in a, and because of that, he's able to go out and do, you know, acts of violence on other people. Yeah. But sometimes, when you look at it, maybe that little bit of control or stability, you know, in other words, could have prevented that. Because I think about also at the end of the film, um, when they were over him when he was in the bed, um, they kind of they said it but It was just very brushed off like oh, well, maybe you know uh, Maybe it's our fault too or you know, we have something to do with it Yeah, but it's very just pushed to the back like oh, yeah He didn't really say that and that's how I you know view it as well Kind of the lack of control somewhat does lead to this violence as well
0: and and Cheyenne I would say to answer your question. I think it's both I think on one hand Alex is this awful character that really can't be redeemed fully because yeah. he's never showed any remorse for his actions. He was very clearly a psychopath. But on the other hand, you can look at it and say what is done to him is completely wrong. We're going to get into that later with the Levitico technique, um, the mind control, yeah. whether it was right, whether it was wrong. But I think in this film, evil is just one of the overarching themes. There's, yeah. We have reached a point in our future, in that dystopian future, that... Almost everyone is subject to it. And whether you are evil or not doesn't really make a difference because that evil is going to directly impact you. You can't escape it. We see everyone that's innocent in the film, almost everyone that's innocent in the film, undergoes some sort of violence, is targeted. And they're li- And even in the case of the couple that he attacks, um, Mr. Mr. and Mrs. Alexander... We see Mr. Alexander getting revenge in the form of violence, and getting the revenge, and what could be argued the form of evil later in the film. So all this perpetration of violence and all of this, and this pattern of violence, slowly turns everyone violent. Slowly turns everyone in the film evil, and violence that's kind of violence.
1: exactly. So yeah. I
0: think that's why this dystopian future ended up happening in Kubrick's vision in the first place.
1: Yeah, I see. Yeah, I totally agree with that. It is. Uh, it's violence. But then you also talked about this, like, we talked about the setting of this dystopian uh, world where violence reigns. Um, and we talked about, is this, like, a glorification of mm. violence? Like, is this, or and you argued it was somewhat cautionary. Like, Correct. this is the direction we're heading in, so let's put an end to it.
0: Right. So w- what I was saying about that before we started recording was, and it just popped in my head, because I thought about it a little bit before, but not in depth like I did, you know, 15 minutes ago. <laughs> um I feel like, in a way, you can argue the violence in this movie is like a little bit of a celebration, but it's a celebration of a dystopian future that we have to avoid. That's the thing. He is showing us, Kubrick is showing us through this film that in a dystopian future where we let our, our violent culture come to a head, we let the track that we're on go too far that will be our future where violence is celebrated, where evil is celebrated, where there isn't a true law. And we can even argue, you know, in the last, um, really, in the last 15, 20 years, however long you want to say, we have seen disturbing trends in our in our country. We have seen disturbing trends in the world. We've seen, and some could argue, you know, a more violent world. Um, we don't really know what's going to happen in the future. But I think Kubrick's, um, like, cautionary tale in this is that eventually, if we stay on the track that we're on, this is the type of future we could see, this is the type of violence we could see, this is the type of... And I think it's a cautionary tale to men in a way. I really do. I think there's a reason that men are the perpetrators of violence in this film. And it's one thing where there were some in class that were arguing having just men, you know, doing the violence as a film for men to watch, and the men that are watching are going to feel like they should model the behavior or be violent. But I think, if anything, it's a message to men that this your behavior in general... If this continues for years and years and years, your kids, your grandkids, great grandkids, generations in the future become more violent, more animalistic. And eventually we're going to have a culture where this violence is celebrated and where this violence is perpetrated to almost an, an incredible degree where that for a Clockwork Orange would be real life.
1: Yeah, I mean, the only reason I would say it's somewhat a celebration is because of the way aesthetically violence is presented to us. So, like, specifically, if we look at the Flatlock Marina scene where, like, they use the weird Beethoven... Uh, diegetic or non-diegetic music and and they slow down the tempo of how that violence is given to us, it to me reads as like a pretty aesthetic. Granted, like overall, yeah, it's somewhat cautionary, but I think in a way he glorifies that violence by slowing it down and making it aesthetically pleasing. So I don't know, maybe I, I see it as somewhat cautionary. I agree with you, but also at the same time, it's showing a world where violence reigns true and no one questions it, no one cares, so might as well just, you know, kind of steer into the skid so to speak so I don't know I don't know if I'm fully convinced (laughs) I I understand I understand and
2: and to add on to that that does bring up the question of do we you know are we in a dystopian society now yeah I just thought about it um even from the class that we're taking when it comes to us seeing a lot of visceral stuff um you know in film at a young age yeah uh, now that we've gotten older a film like this oh yes it's stuff going on but it's oh, okay, that's not bad, That that's not too bad, but I just say that to say is that it's almost kind of uh, just made violence uh, to us now um, just watered down. And yeah. with this, you know, with asking the question, are we in a dystopian future, you can kind of say to an extent yes, because of, you know, when we go back to, once again, the violence and that's, you know, enacting in, in the film and just in the film landscape in general, though, you know... When you look at it, it's not, every time you always hear something, oh, well, it could be worse, well, it could be worse. You yeah. Know? Totally. Like it, yeah. Something like that can be worse. But think about that, sit back and really think about why does something have to be worse, you know, in order to get their point across or for somebody to understand what's going on. And like I said, that's when you get back into the question of do we live in a dystopian future?
1: Absolutely, I mean, and I think the only reason, and again, like it's looking at it 50 years prior, but mm-hmm. then like, let's think about like the context of within our gates. Like, the violence is represented to bring awareness to the violence that is occurring, right? So it's a, an accurate representation mm-hmm. of um, lynching and the rape of, of black women. Mm-hmm. So they, this is by no means a way of celebrating, this is a way of bringing awareness. Yeah. So we definitely, I feel like that's a good segue to kind of discuss how sexual violence is represented in the film. Yeah, Fred, like, please, Fred. Okay, <laughs> so,
0: so I, before I touch on that, I want to touch on something else. Now, I almost want to say that A Clockwork Orange is prophetic in a way, because three of the main themes that we see in this film have almost come to light over the last 20 or so years. So the first one would be torture, right? I mean, we think about the Iraq War. We think about all the controversy surrounding torture, what methods should be used... This movie came out, you know, 30, 40 years before that time period. Yeah. So we think about all the controversy, even controversies still go on today. The debate rages, and really it, it picked up in a considerable degree in the 2000s, the turn of the century. We think about, number two, the entire procedure that was done, mind control. We've had a lot of debate mm-hmm. about how much free will should people be given. Um, as the technology advances, some have argued, you know, Do we have to start looking at ways that we could, you know, like, like, like sedate people basically, or how far can we go in trying to reform, you know, death penalty, things of that nature, I actually brought that up in the class, it's been a minute, so I don't know if Dr. Mark will remember that, but I did bring up the death penalty, um, how it kind of relates to this film. And finally, for me, I look at um, police brutality and the way Mm, that our um, society has really shined a light on that. And, I mean, obviously, police brutality is something that's gone on since America's inception. It has. Yeah. However, and although this isn't a film that takes place in America, the last, I want to say, I I, want to say since the last, like, eight to ten years of um, obviously social media, cell phones, being able to um, capture police brutality, things of that nature. Mm -hmm. It's taken on such an, um, really an important role in our society of acknowledging that and trying to come up with ways to fix it. Because for for so many years, I feel like it was just kind of an unspoken thing that happened. And an entire block of the country just ignored it because it didn't involve them, didn't affect them. But now everyone sees it on, on, on they see it on Twitter, they see it on Instagram, they see it on CNN, Fox News, whatever you're watching, you see yeah. that pop up, It now everyone's starting to say, oh, this is something that we absolutely have to fix, because for so many years there's just people saying, hey, this, this is happening, this is happening, a whole yeah. block of country didn't see it. And in this film, we see firsthand the police brutality. We see firsthand those are the, 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 basically the thug, the thugs and the, the droogs uh-huh. and the gang members. They're the ones who end up being the police. And in this movie, the gangs and the thugs and the droogs and the police are all the same people. So really, that is what that, that is sort of a reality for a lot of people that has been unveiled over the last you know fifteen twenty years, along with the other th- themes that are in this film. So, I almost feel like in a way it was prophetic of the future, not because it's our, our our world right now is as dystopian, but all the things that are wrong about the society that Kubrick laid out are problems that we face in society today
1: yeah, yeah and like almost like a, I would argue because we talked a lot about this in class how. America's cinema is associated with like portraying violence Yep. Um, even though like, like you said the release was very different it, um, I mean it's still widely known in America so like even though it's not in American film um, it's representation here matters so in a way it's like have we become desensitized to violence like it's just something we accept and don't question and again that, that helps me it's hard for me to see it as it's cautionary or, yeah, as cautionary because it to me celebrates it. We become desensitized because it's celebrated and how it's represented. But I think it is, yeah, definitely prophetic, especially with the police brutality. I 100% agree with you there. Okay. Go okay. ahead. And
2: I, and I agree you know, even with the Georgia aspect because I just thought about it. Yeah. At the beginning of the Zero Dark 30 the way they're torturing um, him, it's almost just like back in Clockwork Orange when he has his eyes and he's sitting and he has to listen to the music and he has to listen to everything in force. It's literally parallel almost to how they're torturing, how they're being tortured. you get what I'm saying? Absolutely. And that's something that really just popped up in my head now just thinking about it, like the parallels are crazy. And that's something where Zero Dark Thirty is based off of hyper-realism. This is what happened. Yeah. Versus, you know, Clockwork Orange, dystopian future. Ah, now it's, once again, are we in the dystopian future? Or are we living through, you know, what we saw through this movie as being, you know, what people were fear, fearing about happening?
0: Now, looking at the sexual violence in the film the mental violence in the film and honestly the male violence in the film because yeah. it is all male violence.
1: Yeah.
0: What What was your guys' impression of that? How did you look at all the different types of violence in this film? Because generally we'll see a film that has – sexual violence it might not have mental violence we have the mental violence might not have the sexual violence there might be a lot of male violence but it might be like a rambo movie where there's really no sexual or there might be mental violence going on but not to the degree of torture not to the degree of mind control so how do you guys think this film combined all of those aspects and what was your initial reaction when you saw three harsh really tough to watch forms of violence all in one film
1: I think the rape scenes embody all three of those representations of violence. Because we see um, women being raped. And uh, he just is very casual about it. So, like, we mm. get his mindset. And he's like, he calls it the old in and out. Yeah. Right? So, he's becoming desensitized to that violence. but And then it's obviously not saying men aren't raped. But in this film, yeah. men are not raped. Women are. So, the rape scenes embody all three. Um and I think, mental violence definitely plays a role for Alex whenever he's committing suicide. Um, you know, he's just like I can't take it anymore. But I think in a way, whenever he is giving you that mental, uh, narration, it adds to his his weird charm that we're gravitated towards. All but one, but two, really, it's a way of him solidifying his reasoning for violence. To him, it's no big deal. So the rape scenes embody all three. I agree.
2: Yeah. Um, when it comes to the violence in the movie, there's one aspect that I don't think was really touched on even when we spoke in class. And for me, what stood out was when um, Alex was asking, I believe it was the pastor, um, when they were sitting down, he was mm-hmm. reading, and he asked them about the experiment. And the pastor is the person that there's a good way out. Believe in the Lord. You yeah. know, everything will come. There is a good form. You know, There's some good in this world left just for that to be shortly thrown out after. And the pastor says, what do you know about that? How do you know about that? Well, what, who who said that to you, you know? Well, then we have something going on. But that's the main character that is trying to allude to, there's some form of, you know, reformation, uh, well, not nah, that's the wrong word, but there's a form to where you can reform yourself. But on top of that, not everything has to lead to violence. That's what he's going off of just for that to be backtracked with him questioning him about the, you know, the torturing and everything that's going on. It's like, yeah. if that's the case, does everything lead to violence? Does everything, is there no form, you know, of reform or yeah. no way out? And that was something that I, I don't think a lot of people really spoke about when we did speak about it Yeah, So Something that's a small scene like that yeah. spoke volumes to me because yeah. it's like there's no, there's a never ending, you know, never ending, you know, um, Future of this violence. Yeah,
0: I'm really glad that you brought up the pastor because the, the religious angle to this movie is very interesting to me. And I brought this up in class that really the only non-sexual art we ever see in the film is religious. We see the three Jesuses, but even then it's slightly sexualized. It is slightly sexualized. You, see their, you yeah. see their penises. That's true. So and
1: there's four of them. You know, exactly. I almost I saw it the the says I know we didn't plan for this part, but like it came up. I saw the four Jesuses as him seeing himself as godlike, and he and his druids. That's
0: what I was gonna say because you see the th- the three Jesus's representing his druids, and you see the one Jesus that represents him. And yeah. The interesting thing to me about it was, it was almost Kubrick saying, and this comes in a, t- a time in America where I feel like there was a little bit of a transition period because obviously. You know, you're, you're coming out of the 60s. You're coming out of, you know, a lot of, like, a lot of revolution, a lot of, you know, American kind of and really worldwide expression. Um, maybe some would even argue a, a segue a little bit away from religion, right? So really we see our character given really two different, you know, choices. He can either escape through religion or he can escape through this experiment. But either way, he's controlled. It's either the church is controlling you or the government's controlling you. And that line is really blurred at pretty much the end of the film when the government's like, hey, you know, we're so... They, they, we, we see the government's true intentions to use him as a puppet.
3: Just yeah. Like religion,
0: just like religion was. So... The interesting thing to me is that really he has no free will, he has no choice in the entire film because his only choice is to go with the, the whoever, whatever the power figure is, whether that is religion, whether that is God, or whether that is the government. There's no, there's no true freedom ever. There's never an option for freedom for him, ever, truly.
1: Right, because I mean, either if he's not driven by self inflict, um, self, I guess, not inflicted, I guess the word I'm looking for is like self-interested violence. Right. The only way to reform is still having some sort of crush that's upholding that way of devoid of of violence. So like a perfect example is whenever he's projecting his reformation to the prisoners and the pastor. Right. He's making himself look angelic and reformed by reading the Bible but we know that it's just, he's just uh, reading that for another way of experiencing violence mentally.
0: He had a line, I, I believe it was in his um, in his narration of the film where he talked about he liked the Bible because of the violence. 100%. Yeah. yeah. yeah
1: he eventually, like he's seen, we're seeing it, it's almost like Passion of the Christ-esque, right? Where Correct. you're seeing the torturing of Christ, but then he puts himself in that position. So it's almost as if like, it, <laughs> to me, it, I read it as a critique of Christianity. It is. And that one, right. Like, um, I guess like, that will not be a, a, a appropriate way of reformation. Like, religion can't save you. I think Kubrick's just trying to, like, kind of... Yeah. I don't think he's shitting on Christianity. I think he's shitting on the idea of leaning on Christianity to reform yourself.
0: And the thing is, I feel like in its um, condemning of Christianity, I almost think it's just condemning control of religion as a whole. I think some people at the time might have viewed the film as, oh, this is anti-religion. But I almost think just the film is anti-control and it's sort of just commentary on if we go down these two separate paths if we continue to divide if we continue to live through violence and both and really every side of the coin both sides of the coin perpetrating violence is the kind of society we're going to end up with that that that's how I interpreted it and I think that's why it's such a foundational movie and why it was the perfect film to watch for the first class because really it sets the stage for everything that we're watching now and everything we're going to watch the rest of the semester it's brilliant
1: Yeah, I completely agree with you. Um, What did we think about him? So we talked about sexual violence, mental violence, and male violence. What about self-harm violence? How do we feel about him committing suicide? And do we gain sympathy?
2: Well, I look at it as everything that um, he went through the film, it's almost like, uh, how would I say for him, a cop-out in a sense. Yeah. yeah i did these horrible things um yeah i did you know the quote-unquote time for it but oh i can't take it so let me just end everything yeah but when you look at once again the whole violence of the film he's sitting there, and I and that was a scene um uh, when it was the cat lady when he broke into um her place and was yeah. terrorizing her yeah he's a he's you know having fun with it from the camera angles it's oh he's bouncing around like they're playing tag and he's loving it. He's immersing himself in it. Yeah. He, and then he kills her. And then it almost, even to that extent, it seems as if he doesn't really get scared until he hears the sirens. And then that's when he snaps back into reality of, oh, okay, I need to leave. Something is done wrong. But to go back to the self-harm you know, aspect of it, I just felt that uh, in regards to him doing that, it's because he couldn't take the fraction yeah. of what he was doing to others, and he just got a little bit of it, taste of his own medicine, and then it's, oh, I can't be here. Yeah. Yeah, I can't do this no more, and that's when he tries to kill himself.
1: So did you, in that moment, whenever he's, like, taking his own life, that's his last resort, are we sympathetic?
2: Um, I wouldn't say... Mm, the best way I'll say it is that, you know, people come... From different backgrounds of life, and they go through a lot of stuff. And for him, you know, this is a movie setting, but to see the type of structure that you know he somewhat had in the household, mm-hmm. and to see you know him running with around with these gang, you know, with his the uh, three drugs and everything, mm-hmm. I wouldn't say I necessarily sympathize to an extent because even though once again the lack of control you know that he had from his household that led to this violence, I just feel as if he knew what was going on he yeah. knew everything once again going back to him killing the cat you know the cat lady in the scene with the camera it's literally like they're playing tag like that's the best thing i can explain it yeah and i just felt that for sympathizing with him you still have to look at the picture of what did he do to bring him to this moment and like i said he's having a good time doing all of this he's having it's it's all fun and games until the violence is back onto
1: him. Yeah.
2: Like I said, a fraction of it. That's yeah. when I want people to sympathize. I can't do this. Let me leave the you know, let me leave this earth. So yeah. that's how I would do it.
0: What well, one thing I would say about it was I feel like although I'm, I never feel sympathetic toward his character, I almost feel like it's 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 commentary that for some people at certain points, that's your only out. That's his only way of being free because the only thing that, you know, he really had was his Ludwig van music, his, his Beethoven music. Mm-hmm. You know, that was the one way that he could kind of escape. And when someone has that taken away from them, and that's something that we don't really think about, you know, as terrible as a person may be when they lose the one thing they enjoy, whether that's art, whether that's certain artists, music, whatever, if you take away... And, like, in a way, I think taking away music for him was was harder than, than taking away sex, taking away violence. I think what had the most negative effect on his character by far... Was taking away That's a Ludwig sense of van. Control. It yeah. does because that of the, sense
1: of control. When when, when we yeah. think
0: about um, the, the scene when you know he was going undergoing the experiments, he was screaming. You know, not Ludwig van, not Beethoven. Like yeah. he that that for his character was his one escape from the cruel world. And as terrible and awful as some people may be, and as I don't have any sympathy for them, I feel like. Everyone sort of has a right to escape, right? Was if it an one... escape
1: though, Brennan? Because I'm gonna challenge that for a second because the flat block marina scene, he comments that he is he's pissed off at Georgie for like questioning his authority and his control, right? Okay. So essentially we've talked about how control pushes violence. So his control has come into question, and then he says, I someone's window was open, so I felt compelled. To, to do some ultraviolence. And essentially, that's what pushes him to perpetuate that violence for himself, is the mm. Ludwig van. So how ironic is it that he, you know, can no longer, it, it almost seems, what's the word, like fate, that he can no longer enjoy Ludwig van because it's met with violence, and that's because mm, of the connotation he has put. So I don't think it's an escape. I think it's just another facet of him waiting to project that violence onto people.
0: The, that, that's, you know, honestly, that's a really good point. And it honestly makes me wonder if his escape was violence, if his, yeah. how he felt like he could be himself was to give into the violent lifestyle, give into the Drug lifestyle, because. I think that's basically what really made his character. That's how we obviously don't get much of a backstory for him. But sure. that, in, in that society, in that culture, in that world, in that dystopian future, that was how Alex found his escape was through violence.
1: But, I mean, you had also said, too, like, it's also a way of tapping into our animalistic nature that we inevitably have as human beings. Like, is Alex just a a, a representation of something that we all kind of want to—obviously not murder and rape, but, I mean, like, kind of, like, let out how we're feeling?
0: I would would say he is the embodiment of male aggression and how that is portrayed generally in media and how that was portrayed really in cinema even today, obviously, at that time— Cinema was a lot different, but an overarching theme over the entire history of cinema would be, you know, male violence, male aggression, um, animalistic, you know, sort of um, roots for men that sometimes men. There was a um, really interesting um, short um, documentary that I watched about um, male violence. Jackson something was his name. I'd have to look up his last name. Um, He he did a really good um, short documentary about it. One of the things he talked about was in media. Men being so violent and boys being kind of raised and their violence being celebrated kind of creates a culture that men are only seen as violent beings.
1: Well, so, and they kind of deflate like like men being emotional and vulnerable. Correct, correct.
0: So, so yeah. almost men are a victim of their own violence in a way and of their violence being betrayed because even if they aren't the ones that are at the brunt end of the violence, like seeing in Clockwork Orange, Yes, men are harming women. Yes, men aren't the victims. But in a way, men are the victims because we see that in this society, they were so warped by the violence and they were so brought down by the violence that they were reduced to just their animalistic tendencies. But men are a lot more than that.
1: Well, so, so did I cut you off? No, that, that, so was, that, no,
0: that, that, that was my point. That, I'm excited. No, that, that was my point, in That is that men, their portrayal in TV, the portrayal in film, the portrayal in all of media – a lot of times is incredibly violent, um, animalistic, um, angry. Whereas that can have a very negative impact. I feel like that's what Clockwork Orange was basically about: was we yeah. see the impact of that society, of that stereotype, reaching yeah. its peak, reaching its its its, its conclusion.
1: And like later. it comes back to one of your main big points that you had said: like this is prophetic, and that like. Men being portrayed as violent throughout cinema, and like you'd say, you watch like the history of how men are um, kind of connotatively known as being violent. It's it's they were set up to fail. So like in this society, what other choice do they have other than to perpetuate that violence? I mean, some would argue like you can change, like you can have integrity, but it's really hard, right? Like, so does this society promote reform? (laughs) Probably not. Like I would, yeah, I would. No. What choice does this guy have? Because inevitably, it's still celebrating violence at the end because it ends with like that wrestling scene and like um, it's showing you like he's mentally rejecting the experiment. Like he's like opening his mouth, real like snarky to the um, the guy who held held the experiment. Yeah, I don't remember his name.
0: Um, it, I I don't off offhand. It's either. okay.
1: We we Dr. Mock will know, and yes. that's what matters. The guy who held the that led the experiment, um, it's just showing you violence be Brodsky. true. Brodsky. 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 Okay. So Brodsky. Bro, yeah, he's and Brodsky kind of grovels to him, and and he's like, "We're just gonna make it look like you're reformed, even though we know you aren't."
0: One thing I would actually uh, I would add on to that. Sure. Is I actually do think in a way, in, in a small way. The movie touches on reform because in this, in this world and it can even be argued in our world, all reform does is perpetrate violence even more.
1: Okay. Same They're well, reformed.
0: The, so the drugs. he comes back to the real world. The drugs have all been reformed. They're reformed into police officers. They're still the same people. They still perpetrate the same violence. They just do it from a different position. Yeah. So in a way it speaks that reform, what people think reform is, yeah. is not fixing. It's just repurposing.
1: Yeah. Absolutely. I'm with you. Cause it's like, to the to society, they're reformed because they're not police officers, but they're not. Yeah. They've just found another another medium of perpetuating that violence. Yeah. It's okay. not a reformation, but to them, they are. But clearly, they're not.
2: Yeah, Christian and also, authority. yeah, in a sense of uh, going back to reforming, it, I look at it too as uh, reform somebody as to where you a certain group or people aren't affected by that form of violence anymore because. Once again, the droogs, everybody had an issue with them when they were going around, you know, doing what they were doing. But now that they're officers, nobody hears about it. You know, there's no issue. They're sitting there beating up on Alex. There's no issue. But you know why? Because that's not affecting, you know, the everyday person or, like, the the cat lady or um, even the other guy that they uh, came to the house. Uh, What was his name? Uh, Ah, was it... um, he was the typewriter. He was using Alexander. Typewriter. Yes, Alexander. Yeah, Mr. Yes. Alexander, yes. Yeah. Alexander, to where I, um, I'm saying that to say, yes, it's an issue when it's affecting them. Yeah. But, and this goes back to even control towards the end of the film. Yeah. It was all fun and games, you know, when they were doing it, you know, to Alexander, you know, Alexander. Now that he's in control and they had that shot showing, you know, yep. he was below him and he's looking up. It's the, he's enjoying it. Yeah. He's sitting there and there's no issue and that's what reform is yeah it's not my issue no more because right. it's affecting somebody else right absolutely. so that's how we're going to keep it
0: absolutely that's
1: a really great way to put it
0: yeah and it, it kind of begs the question you know and say in our modern society there is a violent criminal that is reformed ends up becoming a police officer they might not ever commit a technical crime again but they might beat up on someone that doesn't deserve it they might partake in police brutality they might yeah use that violence that they used to that violence inside of them in a different way and even if it isn't the same type of violence that might have gotten them in trouble in the first place whatever they are still perpetrating the same exact violence they were in the past so that's why this movie is so interesting it's portrayal police are so interesting because they're late to every scene of the crime the police never do anything in this film to yeah. help a situation yeah. they just show up to inflict violence yeah. so it kind of begs the question what is reform is true reform what we think it is or is reform giving people a different opportunity to perpetrate what they were going to perpetrate anyway it's just repurposed and it's re it's kind of revitalized and it's redirected
1: I agree with that I 100% I have I like I can't even disagree with you at all <laughs> um yeah.
0: wow that, yeah. that that's a lot this this film <laughs> I feel like we could talk about for hours I, there's so
1: much I still have to say like I really want to get into like Um, is the film sensitive to any of the victims in any way? Like, do we see any specific shots where it's... um we're meant to feel bad for any of the victims. Like, I
0: would I would only say yes just because of how we see Mr. Alexander at the end and we see yeah. how he became violent and kind of demented in a way because yeah. of what happened to him. So we really see this world can make even the best of us because when we were mis- introduced to Mr. Alexander, he's such just a... He's, he comes innocent, he's, 90s, kind, he's innocent. He's kind. innocent. He's kind. sweet. We see yeah. these negative things can turn the best of people bad, can turn the best of people hateful and vengeful. And I think that is what in a way makes these characters and like i said i don't have sympathy for alex makes them all somewhat sympathetic because we know the violence that they're perpetrating it's because they were victimized by the violence in the first place, so that was their reaction to it. So the whole film to me is more about the reaction to violence. Yeah,
1: that's. A, I was just yep. thinking, it's like a, it's like a, it's like a pyramid or like a Correct. chain. Like yep. it began with the society, it was perpetuated by the people in control. Then uh, you have your society that's a product of it, and then when they inflict that on others, it just continues on. And the only so, way
0: out, not to cut you off at all, no, no, the no, the only way out truly is attempted suicide. That was the message. The only way out is 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 getting out, dying. That's the only way. And Alex being cured by being in a body cast and darn near killing himself was just symbolic to the entire film as a whole.
2: And and you can say with that once again back to the religious aspect of it, what they're supposed to believe in, go to God, he's gonna reform you, he's gonna help you. But once again, he goes to the pastor and the pastor knows about something diabolical. Yeah. So with that being said, does reform really exist? Are we what are we really doing? Is it useful? Is it really helping these people? Yeah. Like how yeah. do we define it in a society? How, exactly.
1: How do we define reform? Exactly. It's yeah. hard to. Yeah, it is. And that's yeah. the
2: question that comes up to like I said back to the beginning. It's just a whole bunch of violence, almost like uh what you said, a chain, but also like a domino effect. Yeah of this happens, this happens, this it's a continue a continuous just yeah. amount of stuff. There's no, you know, answer that can be given to where somebody has as the possibility of performing in, you know, the right way of not redoing something, even that they did in the past.
0: I will say, before we wrap up, all the films we've seen so far are great in their own right. Nothing has topped the to Clockwork Orange for me so far. Same. Because of all the movies we've seen, some are great, some are just good in my opinion, but none of them could generate the amount of conversation we've had on Clockwork Orange. So we wanted to dedicate this podcast <laughs> To Stanley Kubrick's classic film, obviously, there's so much more we could talk about. Um, I can't wait for our second episode I was because say, we're gonna tie, we're, we're 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 gonna have to bring it back a little bit, you know, whatever, yes. well, whatever films we choose to talk about for the second episode. I guarantee you, A Clockwork Orange will be referenced in all three it's of come our episodes. Up. Absolutely, yeah, it's gonna
1: come up. But this has been a honest treat to to discuss this with you guys i have really enjoyed this yeah this so. is the third
0: podcast i've done for a dr mock class and yeah. i am really glad my trilogy of podcasts i got you two because this is going to be the best yeah i'm so excited to get into more of them Me i wish too. you could just fast forward a month four to get the second one going, i know but I know. that's going to do it for the first episode of violence in yes. the three drugs. thank you so much dr mock for listening we cannot wait to bring you round two
3: Can you beat? Will you be? Can 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 you be? Will you be? Can you be? Can you be? I caught a wave. Caught more air a super day. Caught a life super paid. Jet lagging, trying to recuperate. Just got off the flight from Budapest. Don't need college, just say you the best. You the type of nigga shopping, uniclub. That's That 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 my law, unisex. Running out of money, running into debt. Running from bill collectors, I ain't paid them yet. Cheat your deal with no matter how much you get. And even more, depending on the ass. I word for my niggas getting married. Seriously, can you beat? Can you beat? Can you beat?